Hello and welcome to episode 38 of Entertainment of Excellence, the podcast where we talk about films, TV, all of it. Hi, I'm Ollie. I'm Tom. And I'm Ben. And today we're talking about the 2013 film Snowpiercer. This will contain spoilers. So, uh, this is Bong Joon-ho's first English-language film, uh, and it's based on a French graphic novel, of course, um, called Le Transi... I'm not going to try and say the French... It's based on a French graphic novel. You're going to have to look it up. (laughs) And the basic plot is that um, in a bid to, like, stop climate change... Humanity has released a chemical called CW7 into the atmosphere, but it kind of um, made everywhere freeze. So the early survivors are people that are on this train that like loops around the world once every year. And the idea is that the further to the front of the train you are, the like higher up you, in society you are. So it follows people from the back of the train uh, f- having... Uh, Doing a revolt, what? <laughs> Staging a revolt, I guess, and making their way to the engine at the front of the train so that they can, you know, not be living terrible, awful lives. There's a few mishaps on the way there. Quite a few people die. Then when he gets to the front, he finds out that he's been the um, Wilford who made the train has been like using children to operate parts of the engine that have faltered. Uh, but they end up blowing off the door of the train and getting outside because one of the characters has noticed that the earth seems to be getting slowly warmer and it might be uh, habitable. And then the last thing you see is two of the characters walking out in the snow and then seeing a polar bear. Yeah. That's... That's it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what, what do you think of the premise? Because I... At first, I did actually have a chance to watch this film a while ago, and I didn't because I was like, eh. <laughs> it was one of those like, I oh no, I, I checked the IMDb rating before I watched it, but uh, I'd never heard of Bong Joon Ho or anything, and I was like, eh, whatever, I can't be bothered to watch it. And also, the premise kind of sounded a bit cheesy to me, but after watching it, I do quite like the uh, atmosphere and the idea of the train. It's yeah. definitely, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's grown on me because it, there's a lot of other things that are kind of similar. Like, I mean, that film Platform came out recently, and I thought it'd be a kind of similar idea to that of where the food gets passed down, but uh, it is a a bit more different because they get completely different stuff for food. They get the protein blocks. Yeah, I mean, I've, I think I recommended on the podcast before the TV show, which I'd watched before this, and. Um, I think this probably did a better job at like establishing the world and like a, a lot of the backstory of the train. Like you see, um, I think it was called like the Revolt of the Seven or something. So there's clearly been resistance against this class-based hierarchy before. Um, and then I think when I reviewed the TV show, I said that the when it like focused on the actual train itself, it was a a bit cheesy and it was more interesting when it was looking at the internal tensions um because i remember in that there was i think there was a whole episode almost dedicated to oh no there's some sort of avalanche outside and uh but i think this did a better job at like dealing with the train itself but then also the um the struggles within the train that's interesting because when I was watching it, I was like, I really do like the idea and all these like little snippets of, um, you know, 
of the of its history even though it's like only 17 years old it seems to have quite a lot of history and i was kind of yeah. thinking i wonder if it would work better in an extended form so i find it weird that maybe the tv show doesn't do as good of a job as that yeah but i was actually thinking i'd want to read this as a book yeah because i know with the tv show i think at the first episode it's sort of got like this backstory that it explains with sort of pictures and storytelling if i remember correctly whereas this does it a little bit more in a nuanced way and it sort of develops the story as it goes on with different people having different accounts of like the past of the train yeah mm. i mean to be honest, I thought the pacing and everything of the film was, like, just about right, and I can't really, I can't really imagine it working, like, a lot better as a TV series, purely because, like, I guess really not much happens apart from the revolt, which would, like, become boring if you were uh, doing that over several episodes, but, like, I guess... For the TV show, I'd have to watch it separately and compare the two. Like... I mean, if I had to say something about the plot, obviously this focused just on this revolt, whereas the t- what the TV show, I thought, did better was sort of offer different perspectives uh, on life in the train, because with this, the character of um, Curtis, played by Chris Evans, it's largely his perspective and the people around him. You do get a bit of a confrontation with um, Wilfred and then also uh, Song Kang Ho's character when they're sort of discussing the different motives of those two. But in the TV show, it starts off almost like a murder mystery sort of thing where someone from the, the lower ends of the train is employed to try and solve this murder. Um, but then as it develops, you also get a lot of the perspective of the people up, a, up the train and even in the cockpit itself because um, there's a bit of a twist involving Wilford, which is quite interesting in the show. And then like in the final episodes, it almost sets something up for future seasons. So I think they definitely had their own strengths, but I probably preferred the film, but the the show was obviously as you say it's difficult just to have this one premise so it tried to expand on that by offering different perspectives of different characters yeah because apparently the graphic novel has is a, is actually quite a long story although it says that bong joon ho read the whole thing in front of the bookshelf he picked it up from in a bookshop um <laughs> But they were saying, basically, he was like, oh, yeah, the graphic novel had, like, too long of a story, so he just decided to rewrite a whole new one. <laughs> so he took the premise, and I think the train is called the Snowpiercer and stuff, but they just made new characters to fit um, the time frame. Uh, but, I, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with Ben as well on the pacing. Like, I didn't actually think of it while it goes through, but... This is a, one of the films where like, I, I was never actually bored. I don't think... I do it a lot where I check the, um, like, how long's left if it drags a bit, but I didn't do that. The only time I did check a time was because I was like, this feels like it's going to the third act and I want to see if I can get used to telling where the acts are. <laughs> so um, I checked the time then and I was like, oh, okay, it seems kind of right. I mean, the only reason <laughs> I checked the time was because I was watching it quite close to... F- like 4pm I was checking if I had enough time before the podcast but like if that wasn't if I was just watching on my own I don't think I would have done that because I was surprised that it was just over two hours because you know I just knew knew that the only thing they did was like revolt and push to the front but it didn't drag whatsoever like breaking it up with because the train's so long with like the the bit in the in the school section which is kind of like it's one of those where you feel awful about the indoctrination with these kids, but I was also very surprised to see um, Alison Pill in it, who I know from Scott Pilgrim. Uh, I didn't expect to see her in this film. And then they have the thing of like the New Year's eggs, which they then just pull out guns and such. Yeah. They they do a lot to 
keep you on your toes as an audience. And there's a lot of cool, interesting set pieces, like the one where um, Curtis and one of the guys, I don't know, are shooting at each other on, in like completely different carts on the train because it's going round a bend like, through the windows. That, oh, yeah. that was interesting. I, I wasn't a massive fan of the action in that. I think my favourite action scene was probably in the sauna. Yeah. I felt like yeah. with it was like really quiet and it didn't have the problem of like one of the earlier action scenes where it was just a lot of shaky cam. It was quite like tense and because I, I really like action scenes that have the slowness, you know, like the classic with the knife through the guy's hand and he's trying to push it away from his chest. I, I always love stuff like that. Yeah, but I do think that the other fight sequences did work quite well. Like the one with where you almost where you get that uh, slow mo shot of Chris Evans. I think that's quite a nice break from all the really uh, fast paced and um, sort of shaky cam cinematography that they usually use during the fight sequences. But um, I I do agree that the the pacing was good. Like it, you never really felt bored. But I do think that that sort of meant the tone suffered a bit because the the scene with the school itself was I really enjoyed because you know it's showing that indoctrination and like the propaganda of the to support Wilford and the train. But then before that, it it just felt like they were just going through like a tour of the train, looking at the um, gardens and looking at the having some sushi I, I just felt that like that didn't really fit in because you sort of have that juxtaposition later with really dark themes about children being exploited to run the engine and really the tragic nature of the train i just felt that there were some inconsistencies there i mean well first off actually how many episodes are in the tv show uh 10 per season the, the i think the second season it's coming out quite soon. Yeah, because like if I was adapting this film into the TV show, I guess you could like to sort of deal with that tonal inconsistency. You'd maybe start the next episode with the the tour and the sushi and everything. But like, I disagree that it was like too bad. Like, I, there was obviously a big juxtaposition there, but I felt it kind of worked very well like immediately after these like big action sequences where it's just kind of showing the the class divide i think and it's it's like it's it's surprising for the audience but like it's surprising for the characters as well so you can sort of empathize a bit more that's just what i sort of take away from yeah that. i get that I, I it sounds like this film we might kind of have the same overall feelings but I think individually, it's interesting we all get in different things, like the slow-mo bit with Chris Evans. I thought, at first I thought it was cool, but it went on quite long. Yeah, yeah, same. I was same. just thinking, as Bong Joon-ho like, just watched 300 or something? <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> I do like, agree Probably would have preferred it in normal speed at some point, but... Because I think um, that's the same with the, the scenes of the tour. Like, it was an alright concept, but then they just seemed to drag on too long, which... Yeah. Like, I'm... I get that. I know that sounds that. like I'm contradicting myself that when I say that I was never bored, but like just those concepts that were initially interesting, I think they just they could have just ended mm. it. Sooner. It's not like you're bored; you just kind of want it to be over quickly and move on to something else. Yeah, I I thought it was cool seeing the aquarium. I I did like seeing all the workings though. I actually felt like it was rushed through. <laughs> yeah, because it was like okay. Uh, look, here's a load of backstory. Here's how loads of stuff works. <laughs> I yeah. quite like seeing it, but I agree that maybe it's kind of like wedged in between stuff a bit weirdly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, should we move on to like talking about the characters? Because I think Curtis is quite an interesting character. Um, I just want to get out of the way like my one gripe with him, which is like one of the themes. I felt like the thing about him needing to learn how to become a leader was dumb <laughs> and there was no mm. point in it i was like this feels a bit ham-fisted in like he's obviously just going to lead them anyway he never really has to learn how to do it um so 
that just kind of annoyed me. But the ways that he's like develops or that he he's not he doesn't always do the decision that you expect. So obviously, like discovering that he almost killed and ate Edgar when he was seventeen, and then so that's why he feels like he has uh, almost uh, a duty to save the people from the tail of the train but then when he sees edgar being taken hostage by again the guy that he's in the gunfight with i don't know if we ever learned his name um and you know he's kind of like i'll i'll kill him if you go for um mason and then he still decides to go after the minister because he knows that that's best for like everyone at the tail which leads yeah. to Edgar dying. I thought that was a really interesting thing because I, I, I was kind of I was like, oh no, he's going to save his friend, and then, um, you know, they're going to have to do some new thing to try and push forward. But then he goes for Mason, and it, and it was quite surprising. Yeah, I like yeah. that kind of unpredictable decision. Uh, like because with a load of movies, most of the time the protagonists will end up saving their friend. So with this decision it kind of just left you um a bit like shocked for a second and then because obviously like what he kind of did is like sort of let his did like the logical decision because um by leaving edgar and uh capturing the minister like that was better for absolute like the everyone in general uh, and he didn't kind of let his emotions get the better of him. But I suppose that, like, to a degree, that's kind of also his his flaw, his character flaw, because obviously with later when he's um, talking about uh, the fact he nearly ate Edgar and uh, killed his mum and everything, he's, like, he really regrets that. And I think that... Maybe a bit of a gripe is that wasn't explored more. It was just kind of like uh, shoved in at the end. But um, I liked that whole idea. And like, also the thing about um, not being, a le- he couldn't be a leader because he still has both his arms because he couldn't bring himself to cut off one of his arms. Like, I, I quite enjoyed that. Um, but yeah, I, I do kind of agree that the rest of the. Uh, I can't be a leader. I I don't have I I don't have what it takes. Gilliam should be the leader. It was just a bit stupid. Yeah, but I did like that. Then, um, his arm gets uh, like cut off. Yeah, that was quite cathartic yeah. at the end. <laughs> yeah, but then like, but then you just hit with the ending, and I I figured like. Maybe if they were going for a more positive tone at the end, like that would have been cool because he he could have led people with one arm and he's resolved his uh, I can't be a leader arc and everything's fine. But then we're just like thrown with what happens at the end. Like, do you yeah. want to talk about? <laughs> I was that? like, is everyone gonna die? But no, the kids get saved by being children. Um, well, <laughs> one kid gets saved. Well, I mean, the girl's 17. Oh, well, true. That's a kid. Um, and I don't know. I was so shocked that all the carts fell out. I thought that, you know, Curtis was going to get to the front and do something to kind of make everyone get the same kind of food and stuff. But Or even a lot of people realise they can go outside. But it's just, just those. It seems so weird. And... Also, never finding out if... Um, is he called Gilliam, John Hurt? Yeah. Yeah. Never finding out if he was working with Wilford. I don't I don't think he was because he wouldn't have cut off his own arm to um, feed people to save the baby. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't think he would have done that. So I'm going to say it was Wilford um, trying to confuse him because Gilliam did, did also say don't let him talk cut out his tongue if you, as soon as you see Wilford yeah um, I mean I guess the, to me it was almost like 
the idea of power corrupt at the end and the fact that it, Wilfred wasn't necessarily depicted in the most negative light because, well, especially from what you saw earlier on, the fact that um, he's he's running this train and he saved everyone, but um, also just the fact that like Curtis doesn't want to accept this burden of having to lead the train because it's difficult to put in place a, a system that doesn't have any form of hierarchy or anything so i think it, it i just feel like it would be difficult to resolve the <clears throat> yeah the struggles I mean, with the result at the ending so i don't really know what they could have done with the story i think just not having everyone die like well, it yeah. felt weird that they had to not be able to shut the door yeah i mean um, well, and he doesn't exactly get corrupted by the power because he he saves um the kid yeah because yeah because i saw the ending should have like i predicted it to happen in one of two ways either like you know he kills um he kills wilford and somehow sorts everything out or it's like a more negative end and he does get corrupted and everything kind of goes back to as it was um but then just like the train like the I've forgotten what it's called, the the drug being the explosive, blowing Pronal. everything up. Yeah. The train, like, crashes and everything, and everyone dies. Like, you just... I, I think... I just don't understand it. And, I like, in the sense that I knew what's happening on screen, I, I can process it, but, like, I don't understand the writer's intention. Like... Yeah. Because is it supposed to be hope? Yeah. Because, like, the thing where they see the polar bear is the sense of optimism, but... Everyone died. After. Yeah, exactly. How how can you <laughs> like, turn that into something optimistic? And, like, the only two people, like, survived are, like, a 17-year-old girl and a 5-year-old boy, and, like, that's it. Like, how... I don't understand how you can be optimistic with that, to be honest. Like... Yeah. And... And also, just, um... Like... It would have been more interesting, I guess, if like Curtis had had to like properly decide rather than just like all of this other stuff going on and then the train blowing up and Curtis presumably dying. Felt like he was just like thrown away at the last minute and you didn't get any uh closure to his uh his character arc. Like, I could probably talk, like, for ages about this, because this is, like, the main gripe I actually have with the film, because the rest of it I predominantly enjoyed, and I was like, you know, we'll talk more about this when we get to ratings and stuff, but I thought it would have been, like, a contender for, like, one of the top five films we've watched on the podcast so far. And then just the ending hit, and it kind of sours the rest of the film, because I don't understand why it happened. Mm. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah, it is quite annoying. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I, I don't know if I've got any other issues with the writing other than that ending and it mm. just being in, a bit inconsistent as well because, you know, it's saying that the w world's warming up again, which is fine. You know, you see that with the plane, but then why, um, wh why does the guy's arm freeze off? at the start so quickly if the if it's uh getting fairly warm was it the special balm thing they put on it and how did the polar bear survive i thought it was supposed to be so cold that everything died did they just like appear into existence after it started getting a bit warmer yeah when you it, think about that like <laughs> it must have yeah. had like a parent <laughs> yeah so did the parents I mean, just it, not die it's not as if even it's like the the elite have sort of had this um, false reality that it's not actually true that it's not possible to survive out there because, you know, they free someone's arm off. It's, so it just doesn't make any sense with what they've set up earlier in the film. Yeah. And, like, even, even Wilford, like, himself, like, I just, I think... I don't think he has any motivation for like hiding the fact. I think he was he also just didn't know that. Yeah. 
Oh, that's a good, that's a kind of another gripe actually. Now I think about it, like you don't really understand what Wilford's motivation was apart from just keeping things in order. And like, okay, I, I kind of guess to a degree that if you're sort of in charge of a train uh, with the last survivors of humanity on it, then you kind of want to keep control. But I just felt he wasn't like explored enough. Um, I I don't know. I think it's just like wanting to keep power. Yeah. But he didn't want to keep power though, because he was saying, "I'm old. I'm going to die." So Curtis, you need to take control. I don't think that was like genuine though. I think he was just trying to, um, you know, corrupt Curtis and stop the revolt. I, he seemed to. I don't know. I think he just wanted power. <laughs> like, he was yeah, seen he as a savior. He was like manipulating him in that final scene. Well, not the final scene, but the scene where he like gets to meet him. And uh, I did like the whole thing about how, especially with the lower ends of the class system, that they don't really have any privacy or any time to themselves in this train because it's always like a community. And um, yeah, so I I think that I also like the the stuff where he's saying you're the first person that's ever gone across the whole train. I mean, it's supposedly 1,001 carts long, and it, it reminded me of Parasite, the idea where he's like, um, because in that there's, there's quite a big symbolism to do with smell and um, like that dissociation with the upper classes not really mm. being able to sympathize with the standard of living of um poorer people in society and it's the same sort of idea in this where he's asking why have you never been down to the where we are is it the fact that it's so you know unclean and whatever but um i think that's definitely something that's very different in the show because it provides the perspective of the people that are leading the train whereas in this He's almost presented as like an an enigma until the third act where they come together and that's sort of where it starts to deteriorate a bit. Yeah. Mm. There's a lot of interesting things. So <laughs> one of the things we all noticed at the start was like uh wine scene company. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but... Luckily, I'm going to say luckily, Bong Joon-ho actually clashed a lot with Harvey Weinstein um, because Weinstein kept wanting to create his version of the film, which obviously Bong Joon-ho doesn't like. Um, and it was stuff like he wanted to cut out the um, the fish scene. Uh, I assume it's the scene, you know, where there's the people with all the axes have the fish and then they, like put the axe in it and uh, cover their axes in blood. Mm. Um, and he wanted to cut that for just more action. Then Bong just said uh, he wanted to keep the shot as a tribute to his late father, who was a fisherman. <laughs> and in an interview, he has now said, that was a lie, my dad was not a fisherman. <laughs> so uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what's really sad is that Jamie Bell didn't like the protein blocks, but Tilda Swinton liked it. There's loads of interesting stuff that, like, a cool piece of trivia that make me really like Bong Joon Ho. Like, I was what I was thinking, Gilliam is that was that his name again? That's like Terry Gilliam, and it is supposed to be an homage to Terry Gilliam. Yeah. And also Edgar is an homage to Edgar Wright. Uh, another interesting thing is that Mason was. Uh, written with John C. Riley in mind, but then was adapted for Tilda Swinton. <laughs> so that's it's just quite cool that because I really liked Tilda Swinton in this, and she's great in Oakshire as well. She in both of them she plays like a kind of crazy power figure, and this like she just decided to have a Yorkshire accent and <laughs> stuff. <laughs> because I think what she said uh, when she did it, it was that she'd only do the film if she was allowed to have fun so they just like messed around and tried to figure out mannerisms and stuff for her yeah but it's cool that 
Bong Joon-ho obviously had a vision. Like, there's, you can see, although part of like the action scenes, it's, it feels a bit more amateur. There's a lot of good cinematography, like with the fish gutting scene and um, the. I remember it always zooms in whenever they say about like everything in its particular place, and they do like the hand moves out, twists, pulls back in. Oh yeah, that yeah. shot is cool. The and thing with the the speech with the about the shoe at the start was really cool about like yeah fit in and having an ordained position which they kept on reiterating yeah Mm. and that's and that's a way to you know stop people um from feeling bad about where they are or you know feeling like they don't have it very fair and there's just a lot of cool shots and symbolism like he he obviously knew what he was doing and it's still got like a style because I know a lot of people were worried transitioning to an English language film that he'd kind of lose that charm but you know it's, it is still got a, a lot of cool stuff in it <laughs> yeah um, and I remember the shot from like the engine kind of looking down towards the tail of the train and there's just lots of cool stuff Indeed. Oh, just something quickly. Um, I'm gonna feel really stupid asking this and asking this on air as well. What was in? What was the protein blocks made of? I couldn't yeah, quite I couldn't, see. It was like, it was like cockroaches and yeah. loads of bugs. Yeah, because I was watching it on American Netflix with a VPN, and it was quite pixelated quality. Yeah. <laughs> um, because they all looked really shocked, and I was like. What what are you shocked at? What actually is it? Because I th- I mean I thought I guessed it was like insects, but uh, like then it also was like they were reacting like it was human bones or something. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Um. There's. I I was always waiting for like the third act thing. I I couldn't tell what it was. Because at first I thought it would be that, like, Wilford was some kind of paedophile just because of Tilda Swinton saying that he likes kids. And I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> Maybe Bong <laughs> Joon-ho was trying to... Because I'm used to Bong Joon-ho, like, the final acts being, like, really dark. Because at the start of this, it's even a bit whimsical. Like, the obviously the shoe being on the head is a kind of a, a bit silly. And... Um, Oh, I can't remember the line. There's one thing they say as they're running like through the, the beds where they all sleep that was, that I thought was quite funny, but I can't remember what it is. Mm. Um, but he's known for like, I've only seen Okja and Parasite as of his other two, but they both have like really dark final acts that you like that kind of came out of nowhere. So I was interested to see what he'd do with this because um, it was kind of had a darker tone anyway uh, yeah. and I wasn't sure where it could go but I think it did services, it's probably the least shocking one but yeah, I still think it's pretty good that's what I mean about the tone, I just felt that like both of those are, well especially Parasite is like a dark comedy because they're more satirical because obviously they're easier to imagine in a real world context but just the fact that this is so I mean, I definitely think there is an appeal, the fact that it's, you know, this unimaginable world that where everyone lives on a train. But just because of that, I think a lot of the themes and stuff that were in those other two films that I've seen of his are not mm. able to be dealt as effectively. Mm. Yeah. But it did, it did allow for, like, a more unique... Um, interpretation, I guess. Yeah. And um, what think? Did you think the shots like outside the train looked a bit? That was CGI, right? Because I was thinking that it didn't look great, but then I've worried that it was practical, and I'm just being stupid. <laughs> I mean, I don't think it Did was. Did it look like... dodgy to you? <laughs> it didn't look too dodgy, but like it was obviously CGI. Yeah. Okay, maybe it's just me then. I mean, to be fair, I wasn't was, paying like, too close things... attention to it. And I remember some of the like the 
lines that extras say was a bit like dodgy <laughs> i can't remember exactly what they've said but there were scenes where like you know a crowd would find out something and then they'd uh like it was just what the extras would say a line that felt like it was written cheesily you, you know it happens in the clone wars quite a lot <laughs> yeah it was that kind of vibe i got which i wasn't sure about and yeah just parts of like the shaky cam action scenes and some of the uh, um night vision looked a bit weird i don't know it's probably just me <laughs> what did you think of that same that fight sequence where it's like suddenly interrupted for the new year and that's the sort of you know it suddenly flipped a comedy for a brief uh, moment and then it went straight back to this the, as you're saying like the sacrifice where he's uh, trying to capture mason yeah that was odd when i watched it i did feel like that was quite weird and i remember thinking there was a reason they did it but i'm not sure i think it kind of made sense because uh you know they planned for this revolution to happen yeah or, um, i thought that maybe the fact that they were always in the dark like both physically and in terms of not really understanding the the circuit of the train as well because they're always confined to these cabins so they kind of don't under they like they didn't anticipate the tunnel or they didn't really um understand like the the traditions of the new year as much as everyone else on the train yeah um yeah i thought that was cool um but i when when was it that mason said exactly 74% of you will die was it at that point or did i make that up cuz it could have been no, it can't. Have been. It would have been. That was at the end. No, yeah, no, it was referenced uh, before. Mason, Mason said it at oh, near right, the yeah. start. I think with the axe people, I think it might have been the new year. Yeah, maybe. Um, and I th- no, I, I think, think it was, was also maybe to distract them before, uh, like they got into the tunnel. Yeah, it yeah. was after the new year thing. But you're right; it was kind of jarring. <laughs> yeah. What did you think of the music? I thought it was pretty good. I mean, it's kind of standard, but I was like, yeah. Yeah, I kind of cool. did. Kind of <laughs> had that thing again where, like, I didn't really notice it too much, but it kind of served its purpose. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I can't think of any way it right. could. <laughs> I feel like I need to pay more attention Not always. to the music because the majority I remember of the like. We, we liked the Nightcrawler soundtrack, didn't we? Yeah, I did. Yeah, there's definitely exceptions, but. You know, it's not the story where the music's going to be standing yeah. out. That, that is true. Um, I, it didn't like work against it or anything like that, and it never felt manipulative. You no. know, it didn't have some like weird dissident thing while Curtis was talking about knowing that babies taste best and stuff. I think. Uh, what do you think about the casting of Chris Evans in this? Because it's quite interesting. I think he sought out the role, and Bong Joon Ho didn't want him because he looked he was too muscly, <laughs> which is why they like you never really see his torso in the film, that, or or they cover him in loads of clothes. Yeah, I think he suited the role perfectly. To be honest, uh, I kind of liked how the the sort of characterization he brought to it. Um, yeah. I don't know, he looked the part as well. I I don't really know how to describe that. He just kind of suited it looking at him, but um, I don't know. Yeah. I did I did like the fact that they didn't like show how muscly or something he was. It kind of made him more, I guess, well, first off, believable, given they were all in, like, absolute poverty at the bottom of the train, but also, I guess, a bit more relatable, because it's not like... He has this huge physical advantage when fighting. It's more just he's a good leader and good at like reacting quickly to stuff. Yeah, yeah. I think it it was good that he was like a um a strong revolutionary 
leader, but like they didn't have to emphasize that too much. I did like most of the casting in this because I feel like Ed Harris did a good job of being sinister but not evil. So I, that's why it was quite ambiguous about what his motives were and whether he was actually a morally corrupt person or not. Yeah. Yeah. Because it would have been it would have been easy to just have him as a sort of one dimensional villain, but um, yeah, like just with just being evil. But it kind of felt like I don't know. He just he believed what he was doing was right, and because of that, like he doesn't seem like particularly evil or menacing. It's just like his uh, worldview is so dramatically different to. Everyone else is in the cast. There's that clash mm. there. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, appear to be having some connection issues, and it says the stream is finished. Um, mm. I'm recording it though, so we can just upload it afterwards. Yeah. Uh, That's a rip. We did have one live viewer, as long as that isn't like you, Tom. No. Oh well, we'll upload it afterwards. <laughs> Sorry for the inconvenience if you you were watching us. All right. Well, I mean, at least we'd pretty much finished anyway. I was about to say if we should go on to the ratings, which, to be fair, are kind of the highlight of the show. But uh, <laughs> you know. Uh yeah. I mean, it's interesting what you were saying about it would have been top five or sort of that area for you because, like, I agree that the ending was a a bit of a letdown, and but I I was probably the most critical of like the inconsistencies in it, so mm. I don't know that might knock it down a little bit for me. I yeah, um, I yeah, I wasn't thinking that. <laughs> I think there's a lot of interesting stuff about like social mobility in it and yeah. kind of Wilford being a, a CEO in the fact that, you know, he has the most power and the most luxuries, but what does he really do except sit in the engine room forcing children to work all day? Uh, there's that kind of uh, aspect about it. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's just bits of the parts of the other film. Like, I feel like this is a film which I might end up watching quite a lot but I can't say it's better than some of the other stuff we've seen I don't know if that makes sense like I'd probably yeah. show it to friends and I'd be fine because I think it's got a like a kind of cult following and I'd be fine getting into that but I wouldn't say it's better than some other stuff that we've watched well, I guess I, I don't part know. of the it's appeal weird. is that it's it obviously deals with a lot of the themes that are in Bong Joon-ho's other uh, films, but it, it also, yeah. it's managed to do it in like a really entertaining way because I don't know. I just feel like post-apocalyptic stuff is just inherently entertaining and interesting. So it sort of combines those two things. Yeah, and I definitely feel like watching this after watching those other Bong Joon-ho films and after watching the um, TV show of this, you know. It definitely like changes your perception slightly. I, I kind of feel like I'd watch this before the TV show, but they do. They both have different strengths. Yeah. yeah. Weirdly, I feel like I would have enjoyed this if I hadn't seen Parasite, <laughs> or I would have enjoyed it more. Sorry. Maybe that's why it. I enjoyed it so enjoyed most of it so much because I haven't <laughs> seen any of his other work. I want. Well, to... Parasite is also quite a lot about social mobility and, um, you know, has the a cool tone and. I yeah, know, yeah. I'm probably going to go on a <laughs> Bong Joon Ho marathon. As given, there's not much yeah. else to do at this point. Uh, I'm just having a look at ratings, and I'm surprised I gave Stalker seven point two five. Like, uh, yeah, you're crazy. Like Ollie gave it an eight point two. You gave it an eight, and I gave it seven point two five. But like, I enjoyed it a lot more than some of the other stuff on here. So, might have to. You just had the. If I remember right, you just had a big problem with like the the fact that nothing would happen for like 10 minutes straight and there was really slow pacing yeah, yeah i guess it's it's when you got to be like into um 
just like really long shots of waterfalls and so you got to be into cinematography and we watched it on fairly low quality as well yeah so it's quite difficult to enjoy that because there's like a film that i've been interested in called santan tango and that's like seven hours long or something (laughs) i've not seen i've not seen like any of it but i think it sounds cool yeah i mean but that has a lot of long shots and stuff yeah, I guess, I guess that kind of makes sense. Given if I didn't like that, then I didn't like the majority of the film. Uh, yeah. Well, I'd rate it higher than Stalker, then. Um, yeah, not isn't probably not top five. Um, I guess... Give the interview... Seven point eight. Oh no, it's gonna be around the seven point five mark again. Like the, <laughs> oh, no. the default. That's what I was just thinking. Like the default rating for all of us. <laughs> okay, well to be rebellious, I'm gonna go seven point seven six. What is it? Uh, Same one. Seven point seven. Six. Okay. <laughs> seven point six. I'm going with that. Uh, I think this is kind of on a par with Upgrade for me, which I felt like, but in different ways, like Upgrade had a, a lot of stuff. Well, I, I don't know, actually, it's kind of similar. Hmm. I, yeah, I'm going for like oh, you 7.3. Yeah, I'm going for 7.3. I, I just can't overlook some of the flaws there, and maybe it's because I've seen other Bong Joon-ho stuff that I'm like... <laughs> it's not as good as them. <laughs> so yeah, yeah seven point three. Yeah. Um I am gonna give it I'll go with a seven point four. Hmm. Cool. <laughs> cool. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for your contribution, Ollie. I'm just gonna say one one thing that I didn't mention that I found quite interesting was the fact that the the children obviously I saw the indoctrination earlier with the um the school, but like the fact that they have physically become part of the machine and they were actually running the train and the idea about like the disparity in generations and the fact that they've been brought up supporting the system whereas obviously the people that were previously used to the earth they're the ones that are resisting it because they understand the corruptness of the hierarchy created in the train Mm. yeah physically becoming part of the machine the propaganda machine that's deep that is deep for some, especially for something that's based off French material originally. <laughs> Why do you hate the French so much, Ben? They're French. <laughs> it's a joke. It's a joke. Our three percent of listeners from France. It's a joke. I love you guys. I'd say like thirty to forty percent of my music taste is French people. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. Desperately try uh, to keep those three percent of listeners. The, the graphic novel or comic, whatever it is. I maybe. I don't know. I don't I think I would. At, I don't know if the art looked. <laughs> Sorry, but the art looked a bit dodgy to me. Maybe I'm just. I think uh, I'd have checked it out if it was a book. But uh, yeah, yeah, same. Sounds like it's more similar to the TV show because he was saying it's got like a. I felt this dealed with one very specific part of the train, whereas those two are like more general idea of it. Yeah. And also it took, what did I say, about 30 years to translate, so maybe it's not that great if no one was too desperate to do that. Yeah. Like, as silly as that sounds, that is kind of a valid point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Groovy. Um, do we have a submission spotlight then? Uh, 
<gasps> we do not. <laughs> so therefore, I knew he didn't, but I still had to say it. <laughs> <laughs> so therefore, if you're listening, which you're not listening live because the stream like died, but if you're listening, then and please like send us in something if you'd like it to be reviewed. So something like a short film, some music, uh, I don't know, some uh, writing, if you've written a short story, if you've written a graphic novel, uh, that would be cool. Just, you know, something that we could talk about. And we'd love to have you on to talk about it quickly with you. We don't, That doesn't have to be live. We could do that pre-recorded whenever it's more convenient. Um yeah, we'd just like to hear from listeners and review some more stuff. Uh, if you want an example for what we've, what we'd sort of do, the last thing we did was Chrome, uh, the web series. Uh, the, the next episode should be coming out next month. Excited for that. Um, yeah. Yeah. So if you want to get in touch with us, we've recently started making a bit more of an effort on our social medias. By that, I mean, we're actually using them. Um, <laughs> at EOV Podcast on both uh, Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you can, Or you could contact us on our website. Uh, I'll just leave a comment somewhere. We'll end up reading it. So, yeah. And now it's time for recommendations. It is. Shall I go? Obviously, I have one. You have one. one. Just one? Uh, what went wrong, wait, Tom? Wait, 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 wait. Do I have another one? Oh, I don't think I've got another one. <gasps> what? So what is this treachery? Feel, now I feel like I've got to find one. No, you don't. Oh, Just get on with it. To. <laughs> We're okay. like 10 minutes late anyway. <laughs> Did I recommend Casablanca? I can't remember. I'm recommending Pan's Labyrinth, which I watched Guillermo del Toro, uh, who's directed Hellboy. Um, and... It's it's really good. Like it was one of those where I wasn't sure what the tone would be because I knew it was kind of fantasy, but also history. I was like, I was like, oh, it's rated fifteen. Like, is it kind of gonna try and be kid friendly still in a weird? Like, is it PG thirteen in America? And then, uh, like a, a fascist Spanish soldier bashes someone's nose in with a bottle, and I was like, oh, it's this kind of film. Um, but because. I knew Guillermo del Toro kind of likes horror, and I was like, how is this going to work? But it does have some really good horror elements and drama and this kind of, like, childlike fantasy. Uh, and the sets and, like, monsters are really great, and there's some really good action in it. Uh, I think it suffers from maybe the two, like, parallels of the fantasy and the, um, you know, the war that was happening in Spain. It was the Second World War. I feel like those two sides don't mingle very well and the ending was kind of meh i'm not sure how to think of it but it's a very fun ride uh like iconic scenes especially the monster with the eyes in its hands or mitch mcconnell as some people like to call it um <laughs> it's it's just it's good it's good watch pan's labyrinth also, it's a foreign language film, which I didn't know until I started watching it. I was like, oh, this is in Spanish? Cool. <laughs> so you get to sound clever if you say you've seen it. So what's not, like, what's not to like? Saucy. Nice. Well, you know how I never have recommendations? I might yeah. have one today. Ooh. Ooh. So, uh, it's... The Haunting of Bly Manor, uh, which is a, a Netflix original um, created by Mike Flanagan, uh, who also did uh, The Haunting of Hill House, which this is like technically a sort of sequel to, but also like the two shows are not really related. Uh, we're probably going to do Haunting of Hill House on the podcast at some point, so that would be cool. Um, basically, it's just like it's a it's a horror, but it's like atmospheric horror as opposed to, you know, like a lot of action and a lot of jump cuts. Um, it starts off quite slow, but then it sort of builds up and each episode kind of looks more into 
a, an individual character's history and their motivations and you sort of slowly start to build up the picture of what's like actually happening and then by the time it's uh you've got to the finale um it's sort of nice and cathartic uh and it's sort of it sort of has like it it has like a narration in it, but like the narration doesn't take up too much of the story. It's like maybe once an episode you're kind of reminded there's a narration. Um uh like I have a couple of issues with it, but it's like still a really good horror solid horror TV show. Um it's also I guess it's not too much of a spoiler to like say that there's like um an LGBT plot in it which is kind of weird given like Netflix doesn't char- char- uh class it under that. You'd have thought you'd have got a lot more viewers if you uh class it as that but um it's it's cool. Uh go and watch it. It's only like 10 episodes long, 9 episodes sorry long. Uh each of them's like about uh, 40 minutes so yeah go and watch it now or else bad things <gasps> oh, will happen now. to you <gasps> yeah go so now just quickly open oh, Netflix oh. right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have a recommendation as well Damn, um, it's another house. Chris Evans film Captain it's... America <laughs> it is yeah Captain America <laughs> I've never, never heard of that. I've not actually seen the first Captain America. <laughs> oh, <laughs> wait! You haven't seen Captain Marvel either, have you? Have you no. just got a problem with Captain? Yeah. Uh. Would it? Would, seen, um, would it just soldier in Civil War? Would it trigger you if I went oh. II Captain? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it's Knives Out. Um, oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I forgot you watched that. <laughs> uh, came out in, I was going to say last year, but 2019, so that's two years ago now. Um, and it's directed by Ryan Johnson. Ooh. Oh, no. Uh, and it's basically just like a murder mystery, but with a bit of a twist, because it's difficult to give you a plot summary without giving too much away, because it's this wealthy... Um, author who is found dead and uh, this detective who's played by Daniel Craig is questioning um, the family and then also some other people that work in the house so a lot of it centers around the it's basically like the the nurse who um, becomes a bit more than a nurse to the the author that's found dead and um it's just it's got loads of twists and turns and uh it does quite a lot of unique things that sort of subvert your typical murder mystery um story and i I just think it's stories told in a really cool way and really entertaining watch but it's also like relatively easy to follow as well It, it doesn't necessarily become too complex despite all the different culprits and the different twists so yeah watch Knives Out. What do you think about them making a sequel? Oh well depend like are they gonna do it with the same plot or like the same people or is it yeah I've no idea how they do a sequel I've just seen now that they're doing one I'm like why? (laughs) Yeah I had heard about that but just because it was popular yeah it's done i mean i guess he could do something with daniel craig's character like with another yeah. history but i don't know it's i'm not just really looking much. at what else ryan johnson's done and he's not actually directed too much yet like he did the last jedi uh-oh <laughs> he's done looper which i've seen and enjoyed and he did the best breaking bad episode directed ozymandias so cool <laughs> let's see uh, hopefully he doesn't just like 
only do Knives Out for the rest of his career as it slowly dies. <laughs> It'd be cool for him to do new stuff. I am kind of sad that they're doing a sequel. Oh, well. Knives Out doppelgangers. <laughs> <laughs> Knives Out, good two, good day, USO. Yeah. Speaking of which, just like a, to say a quick shout out to everyone who's been watching the Kangaroo Jack episode we did. We're now on, let's have a look, we're probably on like 600 views or like near approaching that now. It's ridiculous. That seems know, to be our growing exponentially as well. It seems <laughs> to be our breakout episode. Um, <laughs> so, like, go and leave it a like. Because uh, we said when we get to 10 likes, we'll force Tom to watch Kangaroo Jack Good Day USA. Ooh, it's 599 <laughs> views. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, we have like, most of our episodes do kind of badly, let's be honest. But then there's like, <laughs> um, then there's like the Pet Shop Boys one uh, in It Couldn't Happen Here that's on like 108 views. Um, and like, uh, heavy metals on like eighty eight, and same with Birdemic, but like they've been out for ages. It's like we, and also I, I like the disparity between. There's obviously like a huge difference between the stuff that's on YouTube and the stuff on podcast platforms, because Kangaroo Jack on the podcast platforms is still like one of our most popular, but it's only like nineteen or twenty listens when like. Our top listened ones are like upgrade with twenty five listens. It's like it's weird, and none of our episodes seem to have broken out on podcast platforms. So maybe just have the YouTube algorithm to thank because yeah. Kangaroo Jack finally came to Netflix. So you should go and watch it. No way. Did it actually? Klaus is doing all right at the moment. I mean, yeah. maybe it's because it's got thoughts on the Clone Wars in the title. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. I think, I think what yeah. if the Kangaroo Jack episode's broken up because everyone just comes back to listen to my rap in it? Because at the end, <laughs> you'll have missed this if you're on podcast platforms. So go subscribe to oh, us on no. YouTube. Uh, did a parody of the next episode um, with lyrics criticizing Kangaroo Jack because that's the. They use like a cheap like stock music knockoff of the next episodes consistently throughout the film yeah so go on go watch it now It'll be our 600th view you do can, it you Quickly. can do it right now this like second maybe we should try and um review some new releases but having said that first of all there aren't any and second of all when we did i'm thinking of ending things that didn't do particularly well <laughs> yeah, I think we. I think what we need to do is like find films that are like in that perfect balance between niche and kind of popular. Because with niche, you'll yeah. get like higher up on search results because there won't be as many videos about it. Um, but then with like popular stuff, um, you'll obviously have the fact that everyone's searching for it. But again, you won't be as popular because everyone's doing it. And it's stuff like Kangaroo Jack where I don't think a ton of people have done it. There just seem to be the same few videos that are just really popular. Uh, and then mm. the same with It Couldn't Happen Here. There's hardly any videos. But I think, like, there'll just be a load of Pet Shop Boys fans who've found our video, so... Yeah. <laughs> if anyone has any recommendations that they'd like us to do, then they can reach out to us. Yeah, we'd love to hear. I mean, the last time that happened was episode 14 with Stalker. Um, I'd love to hear from you guys. Come talk to us. Whoa, 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 whoa. How about, how about Robot Monster episode 16? Oh, no. How could I forget that? Sorry, Custard Kong. <laughs> and Lewis G, if you're still out there, then it would mean the world to us if you could just send us an email. <laughs> and with that, all right, see ya. Whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, see what we're doing next week. Oh, I'm not as bad as Tom with skipping the recommended the submissions section. Can't believe you. Oh, so we're carrying on our link between. Well, it seems just to be actors at the moment. So uh, Ed Harris was in this, and he's also in what we're doing next week, which is the Truman Show. Yeah. Yeah.
That's cool. So watch that. Yeah. Oh, I also need to plug the mailing list, so go and subscribe to that, and you'll get access to the schedule, uh, which has the next few films we'll be doing. Maybe you can send email us some links so we're not just doing axes, or we might be getting a bit ahead of ourselves there. <laughs> anyway, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening live, that one person, before the stream died. <laughs> yeah. Alright, see you. Alright, see, see ya. ya.